Welcome to Profiles in Hope, a podcast ministry of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. Each week we share God's story in our sermon podcast, but every so often we want to make room for people to share their story and how it fits into God's story. We hope this conversation encourages you and that you realize that with God, hope is more than just wishful thinking. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Profiles in Hope. This is Joe Hack again. Hopefully you tuned in to episode one and listened to the first half of my conversation with John Christ. John and I both agree that things started to get rolling in the second half of our conversation. So I'm really excited that you're here with us and that you're listening. I hope you're encouraged by this and that you share it with your friends and family. Look forward to more episodes where I have conversations with people you know about the hope that's alive in them. All right, I hope you enjoy this. There was a book that I read in the middle of all this called The The Common Rule. And um, I would plug that book as, as he gives you like daily, weekly, and... Um, quarterly practices to do like intentional yeah. liturgical practices. Um, and he, um, you know, the daily things are real simple. It's like have one meal with somebody, um, read your, um, read scripture before you read your phone. Yeah. And it Amen. was really, it was really, <laughs> that helpful. would be so hard these days, but man, that is such an inviting thing. And that's how, Disciplines can be described in one of two ways. They can be described as this way to, you know, get God's favor and they're very uh, regimented and lifeless, or they can be described as invitations. And I feel like that just, as you even described it, feels like such an invitation to just go it's re- to God's it's re- word. It's, it's reorienting, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's, because, you know, there's, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So your status hasn't changed, but you, you forget it. I forget it. Absolutely. And I, I wake up in the morning and I think I need to look at Twitter. You know, I, I think like, what's, you know, what are the numbers or whatever, or what, Absolutely. What's, what's the status? Is it, you know, is it, is it here yet? Is it gone yet? Or I need to look at the, my, my chart message. And yep. what you need to do, what I need to do is I need to remember like who I am. And so much, so much of the old Testament is God, reminding his people like i am the lord your god who brought you yes <laughs> and you're framing and you're framing your day and so you frame your day with god's promises and then you receive those emails and you receive those updates within that frame or you frame yourself with some of those difficult emails and then you kind of whatever you get from god during the day is within that frame and so it really is as you put it a reorientation and, and yeah I like that that's good there's um i started reading a book called the possibility of prayer yeah um by john clark i think and he's he was talking about praying first thing in the morning and he was referencing the verse and 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 john you know where where jesus is saying you know, don't pray on the, on the street corners, but instead, you know, go to a closet. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, you may actually need to have a closet where you pray. Yeah. You may actually need to have a spot in your closet. And I was like, yeah. I've never really thought about that that way. I, I think also going back to the Sabbath comments, 
I think mo- many of us now um, are um, our daily practices have a lot more of social media in them now, just because you're home and you're, the anxiety is so high and you feel like you need the news. So I would say one thing I would strongly recommend is make a break from social media part of your Sabbath. Yeah. Because you are not just like as you are not your work. So you can rest from your work. You are not your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed or your, um, Marco Polo feed or whatever you, you you can rest from that and you can remember who you really are. It is disorienting. Yeah, even to get it really is. I have a, I have a memory in my seminary days of somebody sharing about social media and how social media in the first time in like human existence, a part of you is accessible to another person at any given moment and in any given place. And we probably haven't come to terms with the sort of psychological and soul impact of just that reality alone. And for those of us who are predisposed towards performance anyway, like I want to perform well before my friends and family, I want to perform well before God. If that's sort of a temptation for you, then to even just constantly be putting yourself out there with all the benefits of social media that we're experiencing in this time of isolation and self-isolation and quarantine. Yeah. It's just good to be aware of the temptation there as well. Um, it can really just exhaust you. Even just the idea that something you said on Twitter or posted on social media is just out there for anybody to see anybody to critique anybody to either love or to hate. And it doesn't matter either one, the spotlights on you and that can just exhaust your soul, especially when we're trying to, settle it in the Lord. Well, well, didn't you, didn't, didn't we talk about a theory one time that whatever social media platform you go to it reveals like, yes, your temptations. So if you're on That's Twitter, right. if you're on yes. Twitter, it's because you, you're, you're tempted to be the smartest in the room. Right. And if you're, on I get, I, I just know that my unique neuroses come out with Twitter, but they don't come out with Instagram. And so I don't know why that is, but there's something about the medium that makes me unhealthy. It's because then, you, you don't, Instagram is, you want to be connected. Like you want to, you want to, you want right. to be like held in high esteem by your, your, your peers. And a lot of it, yeah, has, it boils down to idols and my heart idol. I want to be witty. I want to be smart. I want to be with it. I don't want anybody to think that I'm wrong or, yeah, or yeah. not smart or not um, in tune. And, and Twitter seems to me, at least the the Twitter groups I swim in, like they seem to really place a high value on being right and having the correct take on something and and expressing it in a witty and expressing it in a witty way that's memorable and retweetable. And that just, that just triggers all of my idolatries. And so when I, when I, when I go whole hog into Twitter, I, I become, either or in my thinking, I become all or nothing in my thinking. I become That's less them in my thinking. I get I on Instagram it, and, and, and yeah. I'm just kind of like, whatever. <laughs> so I wonder if, I wonder what it, what it is for, for Marco Polo. I know. That's a new one. That's a new one. I know that one's that it's, we were finding out, right? some itch somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, those are all good I, insights. I have one more question if, if you don't mind, John. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's fine. And I cut you off just a moment ago. So if you want to finish that thought, fire away. 
No, it's okay. Okay. Well, like I said, you are in many ways, um, primary caretaker. And, and so I would just, so are we right now in this COVID crisis. We, a lot of us are, are taking on roles of caretaker, whether that be our, um, our aging parents or grandparents, or perhaps, yeah. um, somebody who's immunocompromised in our life yeah. and or your children and, and our children. If we have children, we're, we're tasked to care for them in unique new ways that perhaps we've never been called on before. Right. Um, and you know, if, if we're single, we're, we're feeling a little bit, you know, maybe out of, out of, um, reach of folks that we deeply care with, care about, and that can be disorienting. And so I, I think we're all dealing with our own story here, but what I'd love from you is as a primary caretaker, um, I'm sure you had a deep well of mistakes and also a deep well of, of things that God really used to bless, um, to bless others. And so I would just love to know, what you've learned from maybe your mistakes as a caretaker and maybe what you've oh, learned yeah. as some of the ways that have been a, a true um, blessing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think, um, um, I mean, I, I, I became a caretaker for, for Juliana, but also a lot more for my kids because Juliana was, um, when she was going through chemo, she was just physically unable to do much. Um, so, I think there is a real value. There's a real, there's a real biblical value to going through something with someone. And when you're, when you're a caretaker, when I, when I was, when we were going through the most intense periods of Juliana's chemotherapy, I, um, it was, it was easy for me to try and emotionally separate from what she was going through. And in some ways we had really different experiences, you know, like I was working a ton and she was not. So she would come out, she would come out of it and she would want to work and I would want to rest. Um, but it was really easy for me to think, okay, this is, I'm not, I'm no longer a husband. I'm no longer a father. I am responsible for making sure everyone's fed or alive or more comfortable or whatever. I'm the one who drives to the appointment. I'm the one who sits there. Yeah. Um, that it was easy for me to pull out, um, from being emotionally invested. One of the verses I think about a lot, and I thought about a lot actually, um, when Juliana was first diagnosed is I thought about how when Jesus was on his way to raise Lazarus before he raised him, he stopped and wept. And that's sort of, sort of a funny joke in youth groups where you're like, what verses do you know? And like, Jesus wept, Uh you know, but actually it's really, I mean, think about that. He, Jesus, Jesus not only knew that Lazarus would be raised in the new creation, but he was going to raise him and like, 45 minutes. Like he was yeah. on his way to raise him. Yeah. He and was he stopped eat and drink with him again. Yeah. Like that day. Mm-hmm. And he stopped to sit in it and rest and stopped to sit in it and, and, and weep. Um, Jesus seemed to be really in tune with the fallenness of the world that he created. He, um, I, I think there is a value. I think one of the things that I, I did as a caretaker is, is I wanted to get out of it. So I would, I would distract myself. Um, and I would, sure. um, I would look at Instagram or Twitter, you know, or I would watch it would binge shows or, you know, or I would, um, um, 
there was a there was a there was a, a time where I look back and I go, I, I there there really hasn't been there hasn't been a night in the last month where I haven't had at least a drink. And um, so I was trying to distract myself a lot. And I think that there is there is a, a real value to just sit in it. Wow. And just to be there in it. And maybe just a second longer than you think you can. Wow. Um, yeah. And just kind of like, uh, this is where I am. My, yeah. I, I am, I'm here. My wife has cancer. The in- Instagram will not fix it. Mm. Um, and, and I don't understand why Jesus would, would sit and weep, but I want to be there. There's a, there's a line in a, uh, Sarah Groves song that I listen to a lot. <clears throat> she says, um, uh, this, this reality is better than, than, um, than fantasy. And I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the quote there, but she says this cup, I want to drink it up because this, this beautiful reality is better than, than distraction or fantasy. Yeah. And I think that that's right. I think that, I think that there is a, when you're, when you're caring for somebody and listen, nobody's life is ideal. Nobody's life was ideal before this, but it's, it's, it's changed a thousand ways since then. But if you can sit in it for a second longer, I think that's a space where God meets people. Um, that's a, that's a space where God, God operates. I like, um, I like thinking about this in terms of one second longer because that seems again, like an invitation. And I think when you hear folks say, you know, sit in the sadness, I, I immediately think, well, that sounds great in theory, but it really feels like a barrier. Um, whereas to just simply pose it as a one second longer, it really does. I think it does invite me to, um, to trust God and to really be alive to, the sadness of this world and to bring him my worship. And I think something that you reminded me of a few days ago, John was that lamenting is believing lamenting is faithfulness and faking is faithlessness. Faking it and pretending is actually like an affront to, um, to, to the Lord. It's actually maybe even an accusation. And so I think, that has really reoriented the way I think about the grief that I'm experiencing. And I think um, we all are experiencing our unique griefs right now. And so just as an invitation to to just say, Hey, what does faithfulness look like right now? Well, a large part of faithfulness is not just trusting God, his goodness, um, his promises, but also taking to God, our, our, our fears, taking to God, our, anger our confusion yeah. and our questions yeah and i think also um the second part of that is is how do we how do we model the gospel to our children and it's so funny because we're so disoriented that i i really think my initial thought is i want i want my kids to see how joyous i am you know or how happy i am because of the gospel i don't want them to see that i'm sad mm-hmm. um but the reality is that your my kids were also having their mom diagnosed with cancer and they were experiencing cancer treatment too. And so they need the faithfulness of God in the exact same ways that I do. They just don't maybe not have, they don't maybe have the language to, to, to describe it. Right. But so what they need from me is they don't need somebody pretending to be, you know, 
a sitcom father that's always saying the right thing at the right time. What they need wow. is they need me to be going to God and asking for forgiveness when I'm not, you know, when I'm not extending them grace. Mm. Yes. Yeah, there's something about uh, actually we forget that our children are experiencing this world for the first time and they're experiencing sadness for the first time. They're experiencing deep loss for the first time. And yeah. God has put in their lives um, caretakers to, in a sense, model ways to react to that. And, I, and you know, none of us get it right. And, and therefore, you know, I think one of the strongest parenting principles I always tell people is um, you're you're at, you're at your parenting best when you're asking forgiveness, mm, but, that's that, good. I like that. but at the same time, we do have a holy kind of heavy calling to sort of model to our children reactions. And so, yeah, what a, what an amazing charge, even as we kind of wrap up this discussion to think about, yeah. to think about like, we're not modeling only to our kids, but we're also modeling to our neighbors. We're modeling to, our family members, a, a sort of a way to kind of be honest about the hardship in the, the, not the way this is supposed to be ness of what's yeah. happening in our world right now. Uh, and it's such a unique, I think calling because it doesn't really call on us to be these superheroes. It simply calls on us to be totally honest and yet bring that honesty to God, which seems like a very, um, you know, like a very intuitive thing. Yeah. And I think also to remember that your kids, I, I think about this thing Amanda Hollinger said um, one time, she, I think it was like an offhand comment, but it stuck with me. She said, what we expect from our kids is that they would mess up and we would extend them grace. <laughs> like That is not what I expect from my kids, <laughs> but that is, that's, that is beautiful. That's good. Um, and to remember that when they're going through sadness too, that they, what they need is grace. Absolutely. They need grace. I mean, God, God is so good that when you are going through this, these moments, you, you feel separated from me. You, you, you almost want to think about God as not being able to reach you here, but God mm-hmm. is so good and kind and he can reach you here. And he is not, he is faithful to his people. And he's been, he's been faithful to us. I think, one question I wanted to ask you and you already answered it before I asked it is just how the gospel, how the good news of Jesus who lived for us, died for us, was raised for us, uh, will come again for us. And, um, and how all of that is free of charge and given to sinners who only need to open their needy hands to receive it. That good news has to change the way that we encounter and walk through um, hardship and, you know, and you can extend the, the scope even of the gospel to include the new creation and how Jesus stands to redeem all, everything that's broken, um, in his creation. And that too is an act of just total grace, like absolute, mm. absolute divine, uh, gift that he would even, um, seek to fix what we broke on the grand on the grand scale, uh, his creation. And so I just think about the gospel and, and I, and I want to ask you in closing, just how the gospel has been, um, how it has changed the way that you walk through, um, through grief and loss. And then I, I would love if you could, um, maybe even just encourage the 
the listeners with, with what you've learned? You know, I, I, I think this is one of the first times where in my life where the gospel was kind of scary to me because when you're, when we were going, when, when Julianne was diagnosed with cancer, we were essentially cut off from large parts of the population. You know, we, we, she physically, you could see she was going through chemotherapy. She had lost her hair. You could see she wasn't feeling well and people in target or whatever would kind of give us side eyes yes. and, and sort of avoid us or, or not know really what to say. You know, people would, would come up to us kind of wanting to express that they cared for us, but not knowing what to say. So there's kind of this continued awkwardness. Um, and the gospel is a little bit, it's scary to think that you are known by God. It is scary to think that like, I mean, it's one thing to know sort of in your head, Jesus died for my sins. It's another thing to say, Jesus died for my sins. And because of that, the God of the universe, the God who's now keeping a planet in orbit 50 light years away is here with me. Yeah. And it's here with me in the chemo ward. It's here with me, you know, as we, you know, as Julianne is getting sick and not able to sleep. The, the, the God of the universe is there. There's a, there was a, a, um, a tweet. <laughs> Can you make Twitter? There was a tweet, um, from this, um, this atheist group, um, where they, they meant it all as like a, as like a slam. They said, you mean to tell me that the, the God of the universe who created, um, you know, stars 3000 light years away, like cares what you do with your money or something. And all the Christians were responding like, yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> and it's, it is, it is scary. Um, it is, it's scary to think that God cares about your finances. It's scary to think that God cares about the way that you feel. Um, it's scary to think that God draws near. I mean, if, if, if the president came in, I would be scared. And to, to kind of realize that not only the president, but, the Lord of the universe cares about this and is here with me. It is a scary thing. Um, but there's sort of an awe in that and there's a rest in that when you realize God's greatness and in being involved in the minutia of your life. And, and the God fact is that a, he's a, he's a father as well as a cosmic king. Yeah. And like to, to come to grips with some of the things that never made sense, that like God is both the father and the son and the spirit that the God is both the one who's writing the story and the one who's starring in it. And like, he was in it with us. He's the one that's, he's the one that is ultimately remaking all things. And he's the one that is weeping on the way to the one who just died. Wow. Um, and I just think that there is, I, when God has been so kind to us, um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if there were times where I wasn't, there were times where I thought that God didn't care, but there weren't times where I thought that God wasn't in control. And God is in control of this. God is in control. God cares. Look, I, I don't know what's, what's going to happen. I don't know if the economy is going to come back in a year or if it's going to come back in three weeks, but you are not spinning. You know, you are not out of God's control. And um, it's scary. And uh, it's scary to not know, and it's also scary to, to believe that God cares about you. But both of those things are true. Thanks for listening. For more resources like this, please visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.